Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out at Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Oh, I mean, such joy. Uh, we are continuing on in this series, and we're reflecting on our legacies, and today we're going to look at family legacies. And we're going to look at that in particular in terms of who's gathered around the table. So with that in mind, we're going to hear from the end of 2 Kings, and we're also going to hear from Mark 14. So hear now the word of the Lord. In the year that Awal Merodach became king of Babylon, he released Judas King Jehoiakim from prison. This happened in the 37th year of the exile of King Jehoiakim on the 27th day of the 12th month. Awal Merodach spoke kindly to Jehoiakim and seated him above the other kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiakim took off his prisoner clothes and ate regularly in the king's presence for the rest of his life. At the king's command, a regular food allowance was given to him every day for the rest of his life. And then from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve went to their chief priests to give Jesus up to them. When they heard it, they were delighted and promised to give him money. So he started looking for an opportunity to turn him in. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb was sacrificed, the disciples said to Jesus, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover meal? He sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city. A man carrying a water jar will meet you. Follow him. Wherever he enters, say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, Where is my guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs already furnished. Prepare for us there. The disciples left, came into the city, found everything just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover meal. That evening, Jesus arrived at the twelve. During the meal, Jesus said, I assure you that one of you will betray me, someone eating with me. Deeply saddened, they asked him one by one, it's not me, is it? Jesus answered, it's one of the twelve, one who's dipping bread with me into this bowl. The human one goes to his death just as it is written about him. But how terrible it is for that person who betrays the human one. It would have been better for him if he had never been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. He took a cup, gave thanks and gave it to them and they all drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. I assure you that I won't drink wine again until the day when I drink it in a new way in God's kingdom. After singing songs of praise, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So who is your family? Well, let me ask you this. Who do you spend Thanksgiving with? Because the people you spend Thanksgiving with, that is your family. I think sometimes we we think 
that family has to be defined solely in biological or legal terms. And certainly those relationships can be powerful and very meaningful for us. Sometimes they do form our family. But we also have some choice in family. And I think that choice is often reflected in who we share a table with. Who we gather around to have a family meal with. A table is an important location of the legacy sharing of family. It's so important that when I moved to Dallas, um, we moved from a 2,300 square foot house over in Rogers to a 1,000 square foot apartment with a two-year-old who was very active. And squeezing down into 1,000 square feet was a bit of a challenge, so we made some choices, and one of those was to put um, a home office for my husband in on the first floor. It was one big open room, so he had a home office, and then we had our couch and our television. And my mom came to visit us and said, where is your table? And I said, it's in storage. And she said, we are going to storage right now and getting your table because we cannot have a house without a table. How do you gather? How do you share a meal? It's like we were doing it in front of the TV. She was like, no. <laughs> so we had to squeeze a table and chairs in um, because for my mom, the table is such an important image of where her family has always gathered. They never gathered in the living room. They always gathered around the kitchen table. And the kitchen table was, honest to goodness, every, I think everybody in her family got their kitchen table at a garage sale, and they got the table, and they got a couple of chairs at another garage sale, and a couple of chairs at another garage sale. So that no, no tables and chairs matched. No chairs matched. Um, it was this crazy collaborative space of mismatched chairs and table. But it was around that that my mother's family would gather and they would read poetry to one another from the best love poems of the American People book. It was the one thing that her family fought over when my grandmother died, was that poetry book. Because they'd gathered around the table and read to one another. They'd shared family stories, they'd shared arguments, they had laughed there. There was not a lot of food at that table. My grandmother was very poor. You had to go to my other grandmother for the food where it was abundant. But what they did around that table was pass down a sense of who we are as a people. And they passed down a sense of place at this beat-up random table. And that's the same kind of table I grew up with. My mom and dad always had a beat-up random table. My mom actually bought herself a new table this week. I was shocked. That's the first time since I was a kid. But we would talk about our calendars there, and then we would still share stories. And I did get sometimes my allowance at the table, like the king and the kings. That's where life would happen for us. That's where formation took place, was at that table. So I was thinking about that in light of these two passages and these two tables that are set. Let's talk first about the table that's set in 2 Kings. The kingdom of Judah has fallen. They have been hauled into the Babylonian exile. And for the people, the northern kingdom had fallen years before. So this was the last remaining vestige of the Israelite people in their own land and they fell to Babylon. And Babylon, like Assyria, had come in and gathered the people and scattered them all over the place and then moved other people into the Holy Land. It was a way 
of maintaining control. So a number of people had been taken to Babylon, including the king, and he had been put in prison there at first. And it was a disruption of their whole identity because they, they didn't have the table of the temple to gather around anymore. They felt lost. They didn't know who they were. How do they, how do they gather family? How do they share that legacy with one another? And then in the midst of that, the king of Judah is invited to the table of the king of Babylon. Set free from his prison, he is brought to the table and given a place of honor at that table. Now we can read this cynically and say that maybe this is an example of you keep your friends close and your enemies closer, except that so much time had passed And the way it is written, it is an extension of grace, an extension of love. It doesn't read that way. And the other thing that's important about this passage is this is actually the last passage in the Hebrew Bible. The Hebrew Bible is organized differently than our Old Testament is. And that is the very last passage in the Hebrew Bible. The king being set free from prison and brought to the table of the king of Babylon. And that might be strange or seem strange as a place to end. But for one, it was looking forward with hope towards the end of the exile. But also, I think it's a prophetic vision of an inclusive table. Of a table where all are invited, even our enemies, to gather around and share meal with one another and take care of one another. It's a beautiful reflection of a vision that God has for all of the world's people. And then that vision is picked up in Mark, in this narrative. We have gone past the triumphant moment in which Jesus has come in on the donkey, and now we are at the heart of when he is going to be arrested, and they have gathered again in the upper room to share this meal together. But who is at the table? All of the disciples. All of them, even Judas, even Peter, who will deny him, even every one of the disciples who thought they might have been the betrayer, all of them are there. All of them are at this Passover meal that will become the communion meal for us. It is not a case of keep your friends close and your enemies closer because in that moment for Jesus, his friends and enemies were the same people. It is instead about that profound and deep and inclusive love of God. And when you go to the upper room in Israel, we didn't have a lot of time when we went on our trip there. We kind of had to, we we, was at the end of the day of the long day of all the walking. But... In that room, which is, by the way, controlled by Islam. Islam um, manages the upper room, and, uh, and it is above King David's tomb. And in that space, there is a three-branched tree that is to represent all of the faiths of Abraham. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam all together. In that space where Jesus shared this meal with his people, with all of his people. 
It's a bigger table even than we can imagine. And that, I think, speaks to the beauty of the family of faith. That we are called to be a big table. To invite all to it. Everyone who's bringing their own mismatched chair. Other cultures and other ways of life and even different understandings of God. And to do life around that table together. In all of its messiness. In loss, in joy, in disruption, in betrayal, in denial, in arguments, in struggles. Who we are at our best is being with each other in our best and at our worst. That's what it means to be the family of God and to gather around this table. And when we do it together and we do it well, it's transformative. To close out, we're going to see a video. It's Sarah Bainbridge and Jim Reynolds. And I don't know how many of you all know, but they're brother and sister. And they're going to share with us how this church has been with them in the great moments in their lives and in the hard moments in their lives. And I think for me, that's a beautiful illustration of who the family of faith is for all of us. church, when you're born into it, you don't make decisions. You're into it. And growing up, I was in trouble. I was not a good kid. I, was a, I wasn't a criminal, I don't think. I never broke the law, I don't think. <laughs> but I was in a few fights. And uh, when my parents divorced, we moved back to Bentonville. And I, was, I was in the seventh grade, and Sarah was in the sixth grade. And uh, I was still getting in trouble a lot. And, uh, and the church kept forgiving me. And I kept coming back. And, and then we started in MYF. And in, in MYF, uh, there was a battle. At that time, the two biggest churches in Bentonville were the Methodist Church and the Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. And so the Baptists had a real strong campaign to lure us away to their church, to the youth. And how they did it was with ice cream. <laughs> So we had a few succumb to the ice cream. <laughs> but the Baptists wouldn't let you dance. Ah. Yes. And, and we did, our church. So more girls like to dance than to eat ice cream. <laughs> so it, it really worked out to be a, a wonderful thing for the boys especially. We did not have a youth director. We had parents. Mm-hmm. that were in charge, that, that helped every single Sunday night in the Powells, the, the uh, Harrisons, the, the Harrisons, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I think, the coaches. But Darlene Fuqua's husband was my football coach, and he was part of that, being in charge of youth at night. Mm-hmm. And so it just made it, the whole Sunday was involved in our church, and it made us, all feel so comfortable to be in this church. I mean, yeah. it, it just a, a, a way of growing up you cannot imagine. We skip a little time, and, and uh, we finished college, and I was in ROTC, and so it was during the Vietnam War. And 
I was stationed at different places getting ready to go to flight school. And it was a, t- a troubling time for individuals as well as our country. And I relied on the church so much. But when I was coming back to church, you know, I, I wanted so much to come back to church. And I was just hoping and praying that, that there would be, I didn't think there'd be any problems or someone's being uncomfortable with what I'd gone through coming back in church. And I, I got in church, and our pastor at that time was Maurice Lanier. And I really didn't know him that well because I'd been gone for years, you know, college and the military. And he saw me when I was sitting with my parents and grandparents. And he said, I want to welcome Jimmy Reynolds back to our, our church. And applause started. And uh, that was tough. Uh, I'm a pretty emotional person. And, uh, but I said, I'm home again. I'm home again. Well, this church for me is home also. I remember when our daddy died when I was, uh, when we were growing up. I think I was 11 and Bubba, you must have been 12, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he was in Dallas and we were up here. And I thought, if I can just get to the church, you know, if I can just go sit here. And I did. I came back and I sat back there and I knew everything would be okay if I could just come you know, and sit in the church. Mama uh, painted this, these pink roses for me when uh, I graduated from high school. And she said, to Sarah's graduation, 1963, I do hope you will always be as happy as you are today. But as you grow older, life gets more complex and you feel the need of our little talks. Remember this. Go to scripture and read this. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. And so, because mama uh, and papa had a the house and they had a, a big bathroom, and mama had these huge pink flowers all over, roses all over with the wallpaper. And that's where we would sit and study the Bible together. I would sit on the potty with the seat closed, and she would sit. <laughs> she would sit on her vanity, and, <laughs> and we would do that. And I'm so grateful that um, that we had that kind of an upbringing that it really gave us the choices. You know, I, I hear of parents now saying, "Well, I'm going to let my child." child choose. Well, that's fine, but if they've never gone, they don't know what to choose. I'm grateful. Yeah. I'm very, very grateful that, that God was gifted to us in such an important way. And I am grateful that both of you are part of our family. Thank you so much. And thank you all for the example that you are and for the ways that you do life with one another. That is what family is. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at fumcbentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender,
gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.